My friends over at serenitynewsletter.com have a special opportunity open to those interested in learning advanced investing techniques in the crypto space. This membership is of the highest quality and is run by a dear friend of mine who happens to manage one of the most successful crypto hedge funds in the world. Crypto is the future, and those who make smart plays now have an opportunity to earn life-changing returns. Go to serenitynewsletter.com to watch a special video presentation now. That's serenitynewsletter.com. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Wonderful. Hello, everybody. How are you guys doing? I hope you guys are having a great night. People are filing in now, Patrick. My goodness. Excellent. Goes so fast. I love watching yes. it come on. It's like a Ferrari, zero to 60 and then beyond. Yeah, in like three seconds. And then it just yeah. keeps going and going and going. So this is good. So everybody, we will give you guys like a minute or two to file into the room. I hope you guys can hear me okay. Okay, I think we're doing good. Jackpot says, yes, yes. Is your name really Jackpot? That would be pretty awesome. Okay, I think that uh, I think that we're doing good. Okay, so welcome everybody. I'm so happy to see you guys and hear you guys tonight. Uh, we've got a really good presentation. I'm really excited about this one. We've done a lot of work together, uh, Patrick and I, to put this together, and it's going to be fantastic. So just very, very briefly, I, I will let Patrick introduce himself. But just from my side, I want you guys to know that we actually did this presentation about six months ago, and the response was phenomenal. I actually went off to afterwards and purchased one of the properties myself. And I'm working through Nicaragua residency right now with my mother and my wife and my two kids. So we're going through the process right now. So hopefully I'll be able to answer some questions from the personal side on what that's like and how it all works and things like that like that. Um, but it's going to be a really good presentation today. Patrick is a fellow Canadian and a very dear friend of mine. I first met him in the UAE about five years ago, I want to say. And yeah, we've since, like uh, but I think it's been about five years. And we've since spoke on stage uh, at at least four or maybe five different countries around the world. So a really, really good guy. Um, very close friend of mine. He lives maybe 10 minutes from my house here in Panama City. And um, yeah, really excited to do this presentation with you today, Patrick. Well, thanks for the introduction, Mikkel. I'm, I'm really excited too. It's been a, a little while, I guess, during the holidays, we kind of took a break from doing some stuff and it's nice to get back on track and, and, and help people find residency and plan Bs in other, in other countries. So I'm gonna go through um, the presentation here pretty quickly at the beginning, especially. It's pr pretty much an introduction to the country that we're talking about today, which is Nicaragua and why it's a great place for, for residency. And, uh, and then we'll talk a little about how you could get it. Perfect. I'm going to go ahead and turn my video and my microphone off for a little bit. And I'll let you do the presentation, Pat. But I want to remind everybody that we're going to do Q&A. We got lots of time for Q&A. So as Patrick is doing the presentation, if you think of something and you want to know the answer, 
put it in the chat box, in the Q&A box at the bottom. And then after the presentation, I'm going to try to go through as many questions as possible. And I'm committed to staying here and making sure you guys get all the answers, okay? All right, we'll talk to you in a minute. Thanks. Well, hello again, everybody. And uh, just to introduce myself, as Mikkel said, I'm a fellow Canadian like Mikkel. been coming down to uh, Latin America region and ultimately living down here and becoming a resident of a few countries. Uh, started coming down here, I guess, in the late 80s, early 90s. I guess I'm dating myself a little bit there, but um, really, you know, kind of moved down here and started getting property in around 2005, 2006, although I did have a property in Mexico in the 90s. But, you know, I really, I love this area. I love the culture. I love the fact that it's family oriented, uh, you know, and I, I'm libertarian. So I really enjoy the kind of the, the freedom that we get down here. Uh, you know, frankly, politically, you know, try not to talk politics too much, but I'm tired of the wokeness in North America and I really love it down here because it really hasn't hit. So we're going to talk a little bit about a few things today, but uh, I'm, I'm the founder of Vita Verde Agroforestry and we'll, we'll talk a bit about what agroforestry is and why that's important today. And also want a co-founder with my son Spencer in Eco Villages and we design freedom and sustainability oriented communities throughout the Latin American region. Uh, you can go to ecovillages.life if you're interested in some of those. And it's been a busy day today, actually, working on both agroforestry and we got some very cool news coming up very soon about Veritas Village, which is our newest freedom and uh, sustainability independent kind of community oriented here in Panama. But let's get rolling. Today, we're going to talk about the, the good, the bad and the ugly of, of you know, getting residency in, in this region, explore things on the commonalities in residency, relocation, ownership of property and all that sort of stuff and discover whether Nicaragua, which I, is one of my favorite countries in the world, it's the first country outside of Canada that I actually got residency in. And I'm really glad I did because when COVID hit, they didn't do anything in terms of mandates. They didn't do any vaccine requirements. They didn't wear, make you wear masks. They left it up to individuals and individual companies to decide what they wanted to do, which it became a little oasis in the world um, during that time where you could actually act normally, have a normal life and, and, you know, go out and do things and go to the theater and go to sporting events and go to wherever you wanted, didn't have to wear masks. And it, it's just, uh, you know, it was, it was like a, like a little bubble of beauty in the middle of the world. So I was, I was lucky. I picked Nicaragua because it was safe and it was entertaining and it was beautiful landscape. Um, you know, much like Costa Rica, a lot of people have been to Costa Rica, but, um, you know, in the end, it turned out to be the right choice for me kind of as a libertarian as well. So where in the world is Nicaragua? Well, you can see the little green arrow pointing at the little red dot there in the, in the middle. That is Nicaragua. It's actually the largest country in Central America, has both a Caribbean and a Pacific coast. Um, the property we're going to talk a little bit about today is right on the top of the country in the Pacific coast. Um, but it's kind of in the middle of, of the, the connection between uh, North America and, and South America, right above Costa Rica. So why a plan B and why Nicaragua? Well, a plan B, uh, as probably most of you know, is kind of like what I consider a landing pad. It's a, an optional residency so that you have some place to go and your country is acting bizarre or authoritarian and driving you nuts. This is a place where you can go that they haven't done that and they've proven it and the proof's kind of in the pudding. They, you know, you, people will talk about, oh, you know, this country's great and that, but so many of the countries, you know, whether it's Canada, the US, Australia, Netherlands, you know, parts of different parts of Europe, all over the world that kind of went a little crazy during that COVID time. And, and now 
you know, people are getting a little bit comfortable again. They need to realize that that's not the end of it. And, uh, you know, it, it's really nice to have a plan B where you can go. Um, I won't mention the country, but a friend of mine built a beautiful home on a country that isn't Nicaragua and uh, right on the beach. And when the COVID thing hit, he thought, well, I'm just going to go to that country and spend my time there instead of he's from Canada as well. But uh, he couldn't because he hadn't got his uh, residency. And because of that, he could only, you know, he, a, he couldn't land in the country during COVID. So, you know, it, it's another important thing. If you're, if, if you want a place to go and you don't want to have to leave after your tourist visa expires, which could be a month or three months or six months, depending on which country you're talking about, um, it's really important to have that plan B residency. My wife is a doctor and so she's conscientious enough to make sure that we have health insurance. Down here in Central America, I, I, before I met her, I didn't have health insurance because I didn't find it necessary because the cost of health is, or cost of healthcare is so very, very inexpensive. But for her, it's a, it's mental health insurance, right? And it helps her sleep at night knowing that we have that health insurance. And for me, a plan B residency is my mental health insurance. And I think it could be yours as well. It helps you sleep at night knowing that you have a place to go that you can really like. And maybe you want to live there now, maybe you don't, but it's in your back pocket. It's it's your landing pad if you if you need it. And why Nicaragua? Well, Nicaragua is one of the safest countries in the region. It's proven the fact that it kind of focuses on freedom and has amazing quality of life. It's very cost-effective. The cost of living is extremely low. There's lots to do. It's a lot like Costa Rica in terms of having jungles and, and plains and volcanoes and lakes and both oceans. And, and so it's just a you know, checks all the boxes. It's a great place to, to be. We won't go into each one of these right now, but we're going to talk a bit. But, you know, there's a lot of things that we're going to try to cover. Um, I'm going to move through this first part fairly quickly so we can kind of focus on the meat and potatoes at the end. Um, so, you know, I put a lot of slides up here so that you can watch it again later and read them. I'm not going to read every slide, um, but, you know, you can pause the video later and when you're looking at it and, uh, you know, read through anything that interests you. One of the things I just mentioned was cost of living and quality of life. And, you know, it's just amazingly less expensive. If you're, if you're from Canada, the U.S., or any of the countries around the world, it's probably a lot less expensive to live in Nicaragua. Um, I remember my wife, Andrea, and I went to a market to get groceries. And I like shopping at the market versus kind of the, the North Americanized kind of grocery stores. They have both. You can do whatever you want. But obviously, the grocery stores do a lot of importing of, you know, Kellogg cereal or whatever and those sorts of things. But the markets are much more fun to shop at and, and the prices are way, way lower. I remember we got weeks worth of groceries in terms of vegetables and fruits and things and filled up one of those burlap bags like, you know, up to my hip of, of different different produce. And it was I, I don't remember the price. It was under five dollars for the whole thing. And it was like that. that it's, you know, you can grow your own, too. But even if you don't, it's so inexpensive to shop at some of these markets. And it's, you know, it's fresh, it's organic. They, they're not generally organic, at least they're not typically in these little gardens that they're picking from on their own yards that they're, they just don't have the wherewithal to, you know, spray a lot of herbicides or pesticides on it. So you get really good quality food. It's picked when it's ripe because it's grown right beside the market. You're not shipping it to a Northern climate or whatever. So you can look at some of the prices here, you know, comparison. I We just did a little comparison a few days ago to make sure this was accurate. I was surprised that the boneless, 12 boneless chicken in Loblaws was $37. And I was like, wow. And it's like equivalent of, it's less than $6 here, but that's what, you know, we want to be fair. But, but you can see the percentage wise, 
excuse me, is, is, you know, a huge drop in, in things like groceries. I'm going to move again through these pretty um, quickly, but one of the things that everybody always, you know, the, the elephant in a room is safety, right? Everybody thinks Nicaragua is unsafe. And that's, you know, partly because the, you know, the U S mainstream media says that kind of crap and they have no experience. They just hear it and they tell, they spread it. And it's just not true. If you look at the statistics, it's, it's patently not true. And I just did this um, graph on the left the other day, and you can see, you know, even Costa Rica, everybody go, travels to Costa Rica for vacations, they think it's perfectly safe enough. Well, Nicaragua is safer almost by two times than Costa Rica, certainly safer than Mexico or Bahamas, everybody travels there for things, but even cities in the US, like you might not think that Cleveland, Ohio is, is going to be that unsafe, but relative to Nicaragua, it is very unsafe. So it's kind of frustrating that you know, countries down here in Latin America often get lumped into this unsafe category when they're they're just not. And Nicaragua is one of the most safe of, of them all. And I kind of like, we, we do a lot of business, obviously, here in, in Latin America. We have the agroforestry farms. We, we create the communities in different countries, whether it's Belize, Honduras, Salvador, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Panama, Ecuador, whatever, whatever wherever it is. I find this graph on the right pretty interesting because it's a crime how crime affects your ability to do business in the country. And you can see that at, you know, near the bottom, the middle sort of starred one is the United States and the percentage is, is low, but it's still higher than, for instance, Canada, second from the bottom. But the Nicaragua survey they did, the percentage was so low, it basically didn't register that nobody thought crime was an issue when it came to doing business. I'm sure if you look at Los Angeles news right now or San Francisco or some of the um, cities like that, break-ins, it seems, every night are all over the news. I'm sure that would rank a lot higher on this scale than these. So I find, you know, the anecdotal and the actual statistical data shows and, and honestly, the feeling when you're there, the moment you step off the plane and people are super friendly, there's just like there, there's just no feeling that safety is an issue. So I, I just want to point that out. Because we do get questioned about that a lot in the countries down here. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on, on this graph. You know, this is another cost comparison like we just did with the food. Uh, this is housing. So maybe San Diego isn't fair because it's pretty expensive. But it's fair because it's the closest place in, in the United States to the weather that you would get in Nicaragua. Um, so it's, you know, the similar size, well, 432 square foot, very small kind of condo. But is, you know, a studio condo basically where we have one that's a little bigger in one of our communities that's just under 600 square feet, two bedroom bath, it's 149,000 versus 799,000. So you can, you can buy four of them basically for the same price. And it, you know, it's a difference of 650,000. So you can see that, you know, buying a home, you know, paying for internet, all those sorts of things is just a lot less expensive as well as the cost of living of, of groceries. The other thing is, you know, obviously you have a great climate, it's got a very dry season. Uh, we used to have a, a hotel in, in Nicaragua where people would say, oh, I went, to, I went to Hawaii last year and it rained for the whole two weeks that I was there. And I said, well, if you come to Nicaragua to where our, our place was, you know, between Christmas and Easter, I will guarantee you it will not rain, not even one drop. And you, if it does, I'll refund your money. So we got a lot of visitors that way, and we, I never lost any money over many years of doing that. So it's it's got two very distinct seasons. One is the dry season, and the other is the, the what we call the green season. And it's very lush because it rains, but it usually rains 
you know, at night or maybe for half an hour during the middle of the day. And then it's, it's nice again, right? And it never gets cold. And I spent most of my life in Canada and in Vancouver Island area. And obviously the rain is, it socks you in for three weeks at a time. You don't see the sun, it's gray. Uh, and so it's nothing like that. The tropical rains are kind of flash and then it's over. And, uh, but there's two distinct seasons. It's never cold, I guarantee you that. Uh, whether it's raining or, or sunny, it's never cold. And the waters on the ocean and the Pacific and the Caribbean are always somewhere around 80 to 84 degrees Fahrenheit. So a high, high 20s to 30. So it's similar to the temperature of the air. So just a couple of fun facts about, uh, about uh, Nicaragua. Nicaragua has the largest lake, Lake Nicaragua provides a lot of the water supply for the country and it has the largest uh, island in the world, uh, lake island that is, island in a lake. It's uh, Isla de Ometepe. And it's kind of two dormant volcanoes joined together and make an island. It's a very cool place, really, really interesting place to visit too. And uh, you know, the communities there are really, really cool. And uh, Granada is the oldest city in the Americas. Um, it's kind of the center of, of Nicaragua. One of the more beautiful cities I think in the world very Spanish colonial, very, you know, it's got a calzada, which is a street of restaurants and bars between the lake and the center of the city. Very, very cool place to, to hang out. Um, and, you know, it's got uh, a bunch of islands with forts around it because it's, it's right on the lake among the, around the, along the mountain range. And uh, used to be a, a destination or a target actually for uh, pirates of the Caribbean. They'd come up the river into that lake and attack Granada or Messiah, which is another town beside that. So there's a lot of fortresses there still with the old cannons from a couple hundred years ago. Uh, and it's just a very cool historical place to visit. One of the other things in, in terms of quality and cost of living is healthcare. Uh, physicians are, you know, most of the medical degrees have, have come from uh, US colleges or Europe or Canadian, also Mexico, Cuba. So it's quality care. You know, generally the doctors speak English because they, you know, got their degrees in, in other countries. A doctor visit, I just, you know, I put $20 on there. It's somewhere between, I don't know, 12 and 25, depending on which doctor you're seeing. But they still have house calls, which is really cool. And the, my wife and I have a, a home in Nicaragua. And if something goes wrong or we don't want to go into the city, um, you know, you can call the doctor and they'll come come to you. I had one of my, you know, if there's a way to have a good experience with kidney stones, I had kidney stones while in Nicaragua in a little fishing village and uh, was actually a good experience. I, I managed to get a doctor's uh, phone number and called him on a Saturday night. He was at a party and he was like, oh, no, don't worry, I'll come to see you. And I, I just told him, no, tomorrow I'll come to your clinic. I'll make it through the night. And I went to his clinic and I saw two Two different urologists had the medication, had ultrasound and all sorts of blood tests and things like that. And it was, you know, I liked it because in Canada, they never show you anything when you're getting something like an ultrasound. But they were like, well, there's your stone. And, you know, it's no problem. We'll deal with that. And, oh, by the way, your spleen is fine. Your liver is fine. Everything's cool. You're all good to go. And, you know, if you want another opinion, you can go next door. And I'll, and he told me, I'll walk you to the pharmacy to get the, the medication you need because your Spanish sucks. And he was right. It did, still does. But anyway, that the the bottom line is it was it was under sixty dollars for all that. And so I found that it wasn't really worth getting insurance. But as I mentioned earlier, my wife convinced me that it was. But uh, so on pharmacies, you can buy any kind of medication, you know, whether uh, anything but narcotics, you can buy it without prescription. So 
Uh, I have high blood pressure. I buy it there. Another interesting story there. The, the, the blood pressure medication is actually made in Canada. When I bought it in Canada, it was $90 equivalent for a month. And when I buy it in Nicaragua, it's about $3 for a month. So somehow they can ship the same medication from a factory in Canada down to Nicaragua with all the middlemen and transportation and sell it for $3 at a profit in Nicaragua where they need to sell it for $90 in Canada. So that's a kind of example of, you know, a lot of people that move down to the area are really excited about, you know, the costs of healthcare and medication. And uh, one of the, the hospitals, I think I have a slide. Yeah, this next slide here, the hospital, the Vivian Pellis Hospital in Managua is a JCI accredited hospital, which means it's, it's the same level as a Mayo Clinic and other hospitals like that. They're super modern, uh, beautiful hospital and, you know, gone there, toured it and, and had tests done there. You can even get uh, insurance that's specific to that hospital for very uh, inexpensively. So anyway, the healthcare is great. Um, I mean, the, you know, the, the public health care, they have public health care that's free. It's not great. I mean, it's as good as health, public health care is in this part of the world, but the, but you have the option for private clinics and, and hospitals and, and their quality is, is great. It's got, you know, Nicaragua surprisingly has pretty good access, right? It's got a you know, major uh, airport in Managua, flights from Miami, Atlanta, Houston. And then when you're down in this part of the region from San Salvador and Panama, where Mikel and I are right now, so we're, um, Spencer and I are taking off for, my son and I are taking off for Costa Rica tomorrow. Um, and then and then we're heading to Managua and it's just easy to get around down here. And, and it's, you know, the COVID kind of screwed up a lot of the flights, but a lot of them are coming back now. So that's nice. And the prices are, seem to be coming down again. So that's good. Um, they never required a COVID vaccine. They did get a little bit of flack from, from their own people about, not requiring vaccines and not making people wear masks. So they did say, well, then you need to, to get a COVID test to come into the country. But, you know, the COVID tests are get doable. Let's just put it, put it that way. So your visa requirements, you get a 90-day visa as a tourist. Um, so 30, sorry, three months, unless you're a resident, of course, which is what we're going to talk about. And uh, it costs you $10 to get that visa. And you get it at the airport when you arrive. You don't have to pre-apply or anything like that. So I, again, to, to get this going along a little bit quicker, I'm going to not go into too much detail, but there's a lot of beautiful cities. I really love Granada that we talked about. Leon, Leon has the oldest cathedral in all of the Americas, and you can tour it. And you can go up on the rooftop and look around. It's really, really a worthwhile tour. I highly recommend it. Um, San Juan del Sur is kind of a really uh, high destination for expats. Uh, it's, you know, for me, it's a little bit you know, too much like a Fort Lauderdale party zone. I like to be a little bit more relaxed, but it is a Rivas and, and areas around San Juan del Sur are very, very popular among expats. Uh, Ometepe, which I mentioned in the lake is one of the islands. Corn Islands is one of the more beautiful places I've ever been to. And that's a, a Nicaraguan island in the Caribbean. So on the Caribbean side, and it's easy access on a short kind of puddle jumper flight. And, uh, I, you know, I really recommend if you go to Nicaragua that you spend there's big corn and little corn, and they both have their own unique, um, those are the islands, they have their own unique kind of functionality. The little corn doesn't have any streets and, or vehicles. It's just small enough that you walk around, but there's restaurants and hotels and community and everything there. It's pretty cool. Lake Nicaragua and the volcanoes. Are very, obviously, the volcanoes are one of the coolest thing. Um, again, because Nicaragua doesn't really do rules, it's really nice because... Um, you have there's a picture of me standing at the Masaya volcano 
which is, is active. You can see the, the lava at the bottom, molten lava. And it's one of only a couple places that I'm aware of on the planet where you can actually drive your car up to the edge of the rim of the top of the volcano and, and look over, over the edge. It's kind of funny because they tell you to back your car into the parking spot so you can get out of there faster if it, if it blows. But I kind of think that your car is not going to run the, the volcano. But interesting anyway. But it's a beautiful place to see. Um, there's actually a type of parrot that lives inside the, the cauldron. That's the uh, only place it is anywhere in the world. So lots of cool little things that are in the country. Schools, if you have kids that, and you're interested in you know, living in Nicaragua or spending longer term there, there's um, lots of options for it. Public schools, not the greatest level of education, mostly in Spanish. It's, it's great if you're, uh, if you're homeschooling and you want to have your, your kids in pick up Spanish and have some other kids to play with. That's a great option, kind of mix homeschooling with a day or two in a public school every once in a while. Private schools are good quality, uh, bilingual, and international schools are the kind of the top tier option. They're still not very expensive at all, uh, but you can, you know, if you do, if you your kids graduate from that school, they can they can go to any university in the world basically. So uh, that the, you have all the options in the area. A lot of people that live in different communities, you know, near a bigger city like Managua. Uh, our, our community is by Playa Pacifica, and uh, you know people in our community that in our, where our home is um, often carpool to to the schools and and do that homeschool and and carpool mix and take turns so it works out well for them. The food the food is interesting. I you know honestly I'll, you know the, I said I'd talk about the good the bad and ugly. Food is not the reason I would move to Nicaragua. It's good. It's you know it's got interesting different things. It's it's not it's not spicy or or you know really super flavorful. It's it's kind of more a basic fare. But they but they have uh, you know they have some really high end restaurants in the cities. Granada, Leon, uh, Chinandega, obviously Managua have some great restaurants. And then there's some really cool spots that nobody knows about. And then of course the local markets. If you you know you want to shop for uh, very kind of exotic fruits and vegetables and things like that. You can find them all in the markets. And that's, you know, almost as much fun as eating the food as shopping for it in those markets. So at Eco Villages, we, we do a lot of these um, kind of expat location seminars and webinars of, you know, where's a good place to, for me. And uh, we, we come up with a score and it's based on these items on the, on the left, ease of access, foreigner friendly, one of the things about Nicaragua, it's probably one of the highest scoring foreigner friendly countries in the world. They love people that, you know, it's just super friendly, uh, you know, they're very helpful. You have a flat tire, people run out of their homes and help you fix it. You know, it's just great, great place for my, my kids spent a lot of time there as they were growing up there, even as early teenagers. You know, my daughters, when they got their driver's license, would take the car out for the afternoon all over the place. And I never worried about them because they, I knew if they ever had any trouble, the locals would help them out. And, you know, it's just a great place. So uh, government taxes, they're, they're kind of reasonable. They're you know, pretty good, not too, not too bad. Certainly, you know, better taxes than a lot of the like North American countries. Um, safety super high on the scale. Uh, visa, visa and residency, as we're going to talk about today, is one of the highest too, you know, partly because of ease to uh, 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 ability to obtain it. And partly, you know, mostly because of the cost, right? It's one of the lowest costs, if not the lowest cost residencies you can find. Lots of things to do. Banking's pretty straightforward. Climate's amazing. Healthcare, we just talked about. 
um, and investment appreciation. We used to, you know, spend a lot of time on a investment curve. I, I took that out for expediency today, but Nicaragua is kind of lower on the on the popularity curve, but it's getting very popular. In fact, their uh, immigration is um, from expats has been off the charts in the last couple of years, as you can imagine, with with not having mandates. And so they, you know, it's slowed down the ability to get residency and and through the immigration, but it's still, um, you know, it still moves, and it's it, and because of the number of expats coming in, they're obviously buying property and buying different things, and it's it's it is obviously creating inflation and making property values go up. But it's a great time to buy now, you know, as that happens. Where you know, talking to friends in Canada and the U.S., their property values are going down. Um, you know, because of inflation, the, the properties prices down here are definitely going up. So we gave it an A, A minus 94 of 100, which is really high on the scale of a, of a great place to have a residency. So there's different kinds of residencies. We're going to focus on the second one in the list there, the foreign investors, uh, anyone that invests in an eligible business um, or reforestation, which is what we're going to talk about for a minimum of around $35,000 is, is eligible. That's where they've kind of set the bar. Um, the renters and pensioners is, a, is an option, but you have, there's a few things that I wouldn't recommend it. You need to stay in the country um, that a, a lot, you know, to, to, to keep that residency. Um, you know, also, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not that it's frowned upon. I was going to say that, but it, it's just that it's not as, as helpful to the country as an investor residency where you're putting money into the country and helping develop it. Whereas, you know, somebody that's renting a property is just, you know, paying their little bit of rent and it's not really going into infrastructure or anything like that for the country. So the one they like, the country likes the best is those that are foreign investors. And, you know, that that's the most popular one. Obviously, if you get a job at a Nicaraguan company, that's an option too. Or if you marry a Nicaraguan there, so there's another option. So we're going to talk about the Vita Verde agroforestry and how that is a path to residency. So again, uh, you know, kind of sped through that you know, what, what's Nicaragua like, but we're going to, you know, spend a little bit of time here on this, and then we're going to answer questions until, until the questions are done. So it's, the Vita Verde agroforestry is a reforestation project, and reforestation is one of the ways that you can get residency by investing in, in the country. It's easy to invest in, you can earn teak and avocado production revenue, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, and you can use investment for applying for residency in the country. So what is agroforestry? Well, basically taking a hint from nature. If you're, you walk into a forest or, or the plains or somewhere, you don't typically see one crop or one type of plant species like you do in a field in, in the US or Canada or wherever you're, you see wheat only or barley only or oats only or whatever it is, you know, the crop is the crop and that's it. It's really hard on the land. They're very shallow rooted plants. They recycle the top six inches of nutrients in the soil, just not a very sustainable way to go about things. So we've decided, we step back. This used to be a peanut farm and pe not have any problem with peanuts. They're delicious. They're full of energy and, and they're, they're a great product, a great, great plant. But um, it's, you know, it was, it was it, when I bought the farm, it was a peanut farm for a long time. And like I said, oh, those peanuts only use the top little bit of the soil. Uh, there's nothing recirculating it down further. So we decided to go with the agroforestry a few years ago and we planted teak and teak is obviously a massively tall tree and, and, and a very expensive wood and used in the marine industry and, and for furniture, fine furniture and you know various things like that. 
but it, it's an extremely tall tree and with deep roots. So what it does is the, you know, the roots go deep, they bring the nutrients from way down in the soil up to the surface into the leaves, the leaves fall off and, the whole, you know, and, and rot into the ground and recycle the whole system. And then avocado is a smaller tree, but still a tree with kind of medium roots. Um, it takes the medium um, level uh, nutrients and recycles that. And then as the canopy grows, as these trees get bigger and they produce more shade over the, over the property, we have, we're gonna plant some stevia as well, which is a sugar replacement and really becoming more and more popular with, in the healthcare or in the, in the health food industry. And uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that because I use stevia every day down here. For some reason, it's not that popular in North America as it is down here, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be when people kind of more discover more of its benefits. Um, you'll see the pictures on the right there. Uh, Hans is the guy in the black shirt. He's our, our farm manager. He's a botanist and uh, you know, he's, he's super knowledgeable on the, on the trees. And he's, he manages the whole thing on the, on the picture to the top right there. He's standing among teak trees that are about 18 months old there now. They're a little bit older than that picture's from a couple months ago. And then he's standing in the kind of in the middle there beside the smaller tree, which is one of the avocado trees. And we have four different varieties of avocado mixed in there. And, and the reason for that is we, um, we planted two or four different varieties that span two different seasons. So they, they fruit um, in December, two of the varieties and two of the varieties fruit in August and roughly that time frame, And so we can harvest at two different times and have a little bit more uh, smooth uh, revenue when, when they start producing fruit. And the bottom right is our, our team that's there on the site that takes care of the trees and a great, great group of people there. So where is the agroforest? Um, it's a little hard to see here, but the, the, the kind of the Google map, you see the, the pin there, if you can see my mouse around it, uh, it's right at the tip of the uh, northwest corner of Nicaragua. And there's a little peninsula that comes out there. And then there's an even smaller peninsula that comes off the top. But you can see, here's the uh, Cosaguina volcano. It's a dormant volcano with uh, hot springs, lagoon in the, in the center. There's uh, hot springs around the edge. It's really cool. W one of the coolest places to, to see if you, if you can and... and um, there, you know, the, the hot springs create these little ponds and like it's crazy the different species of uh, fish that are in these tiny little ponds and dragonflies are golden and it's just like you're living in a different world when you, when you, when you explore around there. But it's, the farm is right here, it's a green patch, um, roughly 70 some acres. Uh, that, and this is the Pacific Ocean out here. So the beautiful beaches that run along here, you can see here on the on the bottom center is, is one, of the, one of the beaches that kind of run by there. It's a bit of a cliff beside it that there's, there's access down to the beach very close by that you can just walk down. Um, but it's a it's really spectacular beach and the cliff protects the, the trees from you know, wave action, the salt spray and things like that. So it's a great place for the, for the growing. And the climate is, is, um, is perfect for teak because teak wood has to have a certain amount of wet season to really grow fast. And you can see that 18 month old trees were already like 15 feet high. And, but they also need a certain amount of dry season because that hardens the wood and makes the highest quality uh, wood that you can, you can get out of the teak. So if it's too wet, they, they don't produce good wood. If it's too dry, they don't survive. So this kind of area gets that distinct wet and dry season that is the perfect climate for, for teak to grow. And you can see Again, you know how fast they grow, and by now they're some of them are over 20 feet tall in in 
just under two years. So for qualifying for investor residency, there's a few ways to do it in Nicaragua. One is you can invest in a tourism, tourism business, like buying a hotel or something like that, or a restaurant. People used to be doing it through a home purchase, and they don't allow that anymore um, because people were just buying a home and then living in it. And it wasn't really helping the, the economy very much. It wasn't creating you know, places, accommodations for people to stay at or, or producing jobs at a restaurant and those sorts of things. So they've kind of nixed that and uh, that you know in, in the last couple of years and that's that's really made things like the tourism tourism business and re reforestation which is what we're doing um, you know very popular and we were lucky enough to come up with the idea of an agroforest there um, a few a couple of years ago and kind of get a jump start on on the whole concept so I won't focus too much on this we have a brochure that goes into a lot more detail you know the, the team that works with me at Vita Verde Agroforestry is happy to send this to you. Uh, we'll give you an email in a second and I'll talk about it a little bit. I do wanna let everybody know we created, originally we created um, 40 parcels, half acre parcels for um, that, that, we, that people could own. And uh, you know, I talked to Mikkel and said, you know, I really wanna help with your, your residency folks, the people that are coming from all over the world that wanna find a place or a plan B. And so we did a webinar a few months ago, and we actually sold out all those 40 almost instantly. And so uh, we were able to fit 14 more parcels on our farm. Uh, the rest of it I'm keeping for my family. Um, so we, we really have, we have almost, if, if not more than, well, the Zoom limits us to 500 people, but we had over 500 people wanting to come on this webinar. Some might have to uh, watch it at the recording, but uh you know, there, there's only 14 parcels currently to sell. If we do sell those out, and I suspect we will very quickly, uh, we're going to be expanding onto another property that we have nearby and uh, planting the teak and avocado and, and going through the reforestation process as well. Um, so we're going to try to expand that, but it will be a different, different animal because uh, right now the parcels we're selling um, have had their teak and avocado for roughly a year. So they've got a good start. Um, the avocado tend to start producing around year four, between year three and five. So you've got a year under your belt already with these first 14 parcels that we have remaining. And so um, I basically reserved them for, for Mikkel's following of folks. And, and that's why we're on this webinar tonight. So you can see you get a, a you know, anticipated, we don't guarantee returns. We don't guarantee that you'll get residency. All this stuff is legal and, and it works perfectly well but it depends on your background, criminal history or medical history or different things like that. And uh, you know, the ROI depends on the price of teak and, and avocados, but based on our experience, we've worked with this for quite a while. Um, and when you know, this is a pretty you know, expected, anticipated um, uh, price, uh, a return, $44,000 investment you know, over the period of time, should average around 15% over, over the years, spread out over 20 to 25 years. Here's more detail. I just put this slide on there so that people could come back later and see it. But on the left columns are the, the teak production. You know, it takes a few years to the first cutting, you don't really make basically you start with 200 ish um, teak trees on your quarter or on your half acre, sorry. And then you thin them every few years to make sure that the best ones are the ones that are getting the most nutrients and the most sunlight and everything. So with the first thinnings, the, the trees are just too small and, and aren't worth anything. But as they get bigger, the thinnings produce more uh, revenue 
And then of course, at the end, you ended up with about roughly 40 full grown teak trees and they're worth a lot. And, uh, and, and the nice thing about the avocado is it's, a, it's sort of a nice smoother revenue stream. You don't have to wait many years um, before um, you're harvesting the teak trees with the, with the avocado, you're harvesting twice a year. And that in the end, the teak trees are worth more than the avocado, but the avocado kind of fills in that revenue throughout the years, which is, is nice. And then the total of the two types of trees, and we don't have stevia on here. We haven't planted it yet. We expect to, but well, we're not promising that. It depends on how well it will grow. We've done some testing. It does do well, but it needs certain conditions, and that's going to require these trees to get a little taller. So what we're offering, and I think it's a great deal, uh, we've kept the price the same as the last time uh, that Mikhail and I spoke about this, uh, a, a half acre full farm parcel, fully titled, you own it, you can do whatever you want with it um, for 44,000 US dollars. Um, and there's a list of things that you need to do for residency to use it as a, your application for residency, as your investment in the country. And uh, I won't go and read them all, but you can certainly read them. But basically you, you create a corporation, that corporation owns the, the teak and avocado farm, uh, your parcel, or you can buy multiple parcels if you want. And then uh, that, that becomes your, your investment in the country. We line you up with a, a really qualified uh, English speaking lawyer. She's great. She's worked with all our clients so far. Um, her name is Alexandra. She's, she's really easy to work with. And the legal process usually costs um, for, for applying for residency and transferring the ownership of the parcel over from our name to yours is somewhere usually between $2,800 and $4,000. But if you pay for the $44,000 parcel up front, then we pay for that legal fee is for you. Uh, we also have some, some financing options I'll talk to you about in a second. But because there's only 14 parcels left in this farm, um, the expat at ecovillages.life email down here at the bottom, uh, we're going to basically take the first 14 people that, that um, fill out a reservation form and, and pay for the parcel as, as the, the first 14 people to, to get it. If you don't make it within those 14 people that are 14 parcels, then, then don't panic. We're going to continue to expand the farm. But like I said, it'll be just kind of a year, year and a half delayed before uh, that the production starts to kick in because these trees exist already and those ones are going to be planted in the next couple months. So that's really the, the program. And we, like I said, we can't guarantee residency. It depends on you as an individual. It depends on government making changes. And honestly, I think um, Mikel mentioned it in the email that he sent out. Panama used to be one of the, well, probably was the, in, in Latin America, was the least expensive place you had to open or to get a residency, you had to open a $5,000 or open a bank account and put $5,000 in it. And that was it. You were done. You, you could apply for residency. Well, now you have to buy $200,000 uh, worth of real estate uh, or invest in the country. And that's only for friendly nations uh, visas or uh, residency. That if, if you're not from one of the friendly nations countries or one of the countries they consider a friendly nation, then it's, uh, I think it's moved from three hundred dollars to $500,000 now. So as you can see, um, the, the Nicaraguan residency program of spend more than $35,000 of investment in the country is, is a really good plan. I suspect they will follow the lead of Costa Rica and Panama and increase that. So that's why we're kind of talking to everybody now and saying you really need to get in as soon as possible because 
I'm sure they're, they're I've already heard rumors that they're going to move it up to 75,000 and then probably up beyond that. Nicaragua has been a very popular place to to move to relative to their population. It's probably been the most popular destination for expats in, in the in the region right now. And again, a lot of it's due to the way they handled COVID. So that's the program. Um, we also offer a couple other things with it, caring for your agroforest. I won't read it all, but basically, because we're already there, we already have the irrigation in all the whole farm. Um, we, we have the workers there. We have all the equipment there. We're able to offer um, a really low price on caring for your agroforest. So $27 per month for, per half acre um, is all it costs you to have us maintain it for you. You don't need to hire us. You can let it go wild, you can do whatever you want with it. Um, it's just that teak trees, especially, well, avocado as well, but teak trees in particular need a lot of care, make sure that they're trimmed properly, they're growing straight, um, the irrigation to water them all is working properly. Um, you know, we've, we have two wells on the, on the property, we have all the irrigation lines and the pumps and all that sort of thing going. And so um, it's a really good deal, I, I think, to, to have only $27 a month to, to care for your for your farm and, and make sure that you do, you know, get any potential gains in the future. If you let it go wild, it, it's not gonna likely be worth much. And we also have one thing that I don't think any other agroforest or even any kind of uh, product like this does is we, we've decided to create uh, an insurance program and um, for $38 a month, you can, we, we will insure your, your, your parcel and your trees against any kind of catastrophic damage or any kind of damage, basically. Now, the good thing about teak, especially avocado is a little more sensitive, but the good thing about teak is once it's about four or five years old, it's super resilient. It's hard to, it doesn't really burn. Um, it doesn't really get termites or, or rot. It, it, it's, you know, it's very tough against storms. Um, you know, we just had a, a really strong tropical storm go through this last year in November. And it bent some of these tall, thin trees that were growing so fast right down to the ground. And, you know, if they had no care, um, they would have grown poorly and they wouldn't be able to be used for wood. But because we had our team there, we straightened them all up. We put wires down to the ground, kept them all, all in perfect condition. And, they're, you know, they're perfectly good. They're growing. They didn't need it. But even if they had been destroyed, anybody that has this insurance for their parcel will just replace the trees. We'll plant you know, we'll, we'll plant new teak. Oh, you'll be a little, you know, if, if three years from now, some catastrophe happened, I can't imagine what that would be. But if something did happen, you know, I don't know, some cattle got on the property and ate all the avocado trees or something, then, you know, potentially that that's, that's out there as, uh, as something that could happen. But if you have this insurance, you know, we're going to, we're going to cover it. We're going to replant those avocado trees or teak trees, whatever was damaged so that you're, you're whole again, you might be a little bit behind because those trees have to grow. We can't we can't plant thirty foot tall trees, so we're planting new trees. But you're you're always sure that you're going to have your trees as long as you have the insurance. So we wanted to offer that. Um, people really love that because they can kind of sleep at night about knowing that their their trees are taken care of. But again, it's both of the maintenance and the insurance are are optional if, if you decide that you just want the parcel of land and you know you want to do something else other than reforestation. Then you know that that's an option. So to make it a little more affordable, even though it's forty-four thousand dollars is is quite affordable, certainly in residency world, it is very affordable. Uh, we did create a financing option. Uh, you can you can look at these two options. Option A, both are two-year terms, 
per payment, one's with $10,000 down, one's with $20,000 down. And you can see the monthly payments uh, with insurance and maintenance, the total monthly payment in the second column from the right. Um, and it, you know the interest rate on those two financing options. So I, 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 if you go with the financing option, then you have to pay for your own legal fees in terms of uh, applying for residency, transferring the property and that sort of thing. But if you go ahead and do pay for the amount up front, and then we kind of throw that in as a as a bonus to Mikkel's team here or the people that that you know follow Mikkel and, and see what he's doing. We we want to make something special for for this group. And so if you do do purchase the forty four thousand dollar parcel up front, then we will throw in the pr price of whatever that is for for two people applying for residency, a couple. I mean, if you have children, they can also you know under eighteen years old dependents, they can also apply, and they're roughly. Um, an additional five hundred to six hundred dollars per per child. So, but we will cover all the all the process. We'll, we we hold your hand right through it. The the lawyer tells you exactly what steps that you need to do. You need to you know get your ID and and all those sorts of different things. Uh, and so, it's it's a it's it's a daunting thing to do to apply for residency if you've never done it before and you don't have help. But we've all done it before. We have a lawyer that does it every day. And so, you know, I think that's one of the real advantages of going with the Vita Verde agroforestry. That we literally hold your hand right through it. And, you know, again, we can't we can't guarantee that you get residency and we can't guarantee the, the production revenue outcome. But, you know, we're very confident in it. So that's pretty much it. Your next steps. If you decide to move forward, uh, we send you a reservation or a purchase agreement uh, and you get started on the residency process with the lawyer that we connect you with right away. You can contact us through expat at ecovillages.life. And we're going to take the order that people sign up for the reservation form and, and pay for their property as the first 14. And then anybody after that that's interested, uh, we're, you know, like I said, we're, we're moving on to do the next, the next uh, farm and, and our forest. So it's, it's not the end of the world if you don't get in the first 14, but I encourage you to, uh, to get in quickly if you if you are interested because uh, you get a little bit of a jump start on the existing um, trees that are there now, and and the and the parcels are already all planted on those fourteen. They have both teak and avocado and and uh, and the four different varieties of avocado. So I guess that's it. And Michael, you want to come back in and we can do some Q and A. Amazing, wonderful, Patrick. Really great presentation. I first visited Nicaragua back in. 2003 or something like that, 2003, 2004. And it was such a gorgeous country. I was actually really surprised. I hitchhiked all through Central and South America for about 18 months, and I didn't know what to expect in Nicaragua, but it truly was a gorgeous country. And the lakes that you were talking about at the beginning of the of the presentation, um, I stayed on those lakes and it was so beautiful there. And we went swimming every day and doing yoga and it was just very, very nice life. It was very relaxed. It was beautiful. Well, Mikkel, if you don't mind reading the, the questions, uh, your eyesight's better than mine. I got to put my glasses on and squeeze up against yes. the screen otherwise. So. All right. I'm going to scroll because we got, I don't know, a ton of questions. I'm going to go backwards in time to the very first questions, and I'm just going to kind of do these pretty much in order, okay? Okay, Nigel says, are there any illegal immigration issues, an influx of immigrants from other countries? Illegal immigration issues? I'm not sure exactly what. I mean, they're-, they're I think what he's talking about is the same thing that people are crossing into the U.S. border illegally. Are people crossing into Nicaragua illegally? I would say no. Well, I guess there's a possibility. You don't hear about much of that. I mean, it's 
I mean, the U.S. has this stigma of being the land of milk and honey, right? I, you know, I don't think there's a ton of people around the world that even understand what Nicaragua is all about. I, you know, but there is a, a lot huge of this problem happens for... because they've got open borders, and then you've got a welfare state. If you don't have a welfare yeah. state, then people aren't coming. You know, so yeah, exactly. It's like there's, they're there's... not going to come and stay there illegally. It's people like us who have money who are going to be going there. We want to build a life. We're going to follow the laws. We're going to build a community. You know, we're not looking for any problems there. Okay. Uh, Question I had is on return on ROI, return on investment in, on these types of investments. How fast does it give you a path to citizenship? So I guess those are actually two different things. But I mean, the ROI we have again more information in the brochure. It's a little, you know, we're off. You know, in, in emails, it's a little easier to answer questions too because we're kind of rushed when we're doing the webinars, and we're happy to answer any questions you have. Uh, those those ROI numbers are not IRR, not internal re revenue, but they're. Uh, return their their ROI numbers. It averages out to about fifteen ish percent, fifteen to eighteen percent for per annum over the twenty five years. And of course, once you harvest the the, the trees over the twenty at the end of the 25, 20 to twenty five years is when the teak trees are kind of at their best maturity for harvesting. Uh, you can plant them again. I mean, it's your property. You can do whatever you want with it after that. So I mean, you can do whatever you want with it tomorrow if you own it. But I would recommend keeping the trees. And what was the other half of that question? I think Sorry. it was the. I think it was actually a two-part question, not one question joined together. And it was just about the path to citizenship. How many time? How many years until naturalization? Once you have your residency, you can. After five years, you can apply for citizenship in Nicaragua for your Amazing. passport. JP asks, "How do you manage energy electricity in Nicaragua? What is the cost per kilowatt?" Well, if you knew me and my son, we're you know running eco villages. We're all about energy um, production and conservation with solar systems, wind systems, hydropower, and all that. Uh, Nicaragua is actually leading the world with, I think it's over 70% of its power generation is uh, uh, turbines powered by vol volcanoes right now. Uh, you know, the, the heat from the volcano spins the turbine to steam and powers most of the country. And another part of it, they have, they have a lot of wind turbines um, in the plains, which is closer to the south, near near between kind of Rivas and Managua, and that's uh, kind of a windy zone of the country. The wind comes over the volcanoes and blows through there. So the country as a whole is actually very kind of eco-friendly, and and we as a company call ourselves eco-sensible. We're actually building um, an earth bag home shortly at the farm, and it's going to be 100% solar powered, and and all that. So uh, you know we're we're all about you know uh, you know what it's a lot of it's about. I don't know, not being cheap, but I don't like paying for power bills. And power mm -hmm. is expensive in Central America. It can be up in, yeah, you in know, the 40 cents per kilowatt, right? So, um, well, we, and the we, other thing to keep in mind is the Eco Villages, Patrick's company, does communities throughout Central America, and they're fantastic communities. The problem with Nicaragua is actually buying a home does not qualify you for residency there. So if you want to live in Nicaragua full-time, this is one of the best paths forwards is through the agroforestry. But then you can still talk to Patrick about building a home in Nicaragua, which has solar power, which has the batteries, which has all of these types of things in the community already built into the home. They're built for that. So exactly. that's a good option to also talk. Um, I mean, not yeah, in today's just, presentation, but to email yeah. about. We have a community called Playa Pacifica in Nicaragua. Uh, which is the Pacific Beach in Nicaragua. If you go to the ecovillages.life uh, website, you can go look up the different communities we have, and that one is in Nicaragua. So technically, um, you couldn't buy a home in Nicaragua, like Mikel said, 
to use that as your investment for residency. But you could buy one of these parcels and a home and have a place to, to live there, but also have your residency through the parcel. Exactly. Okay, moving up. Since you were a libertarian, please comment on Danny Ortega and his wife. I'm well, going to read the I, entire I, question, but I think you understand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm actually a big fan of, of the, the Ortega family. They've been very, we have a foundation called Help Them Help Themselves in Nicaragua and around this region. They've been extremely helpful getting, our, you know, we do doctors, uh, missions, dental missions, different things like that. We've built playgrounds. We've done all sorts of stuff. In fact, playground that we brought in from Canada uh, was stuck in customs and the family helped us get it through without an issue. Um, they've been very helpful on a lot of fronts. Let me let me give you the really short story of the Ortega family, even though, you know, we could talk about this for weeks. But exactly. um, the father of some, the, the guy, the president, Samosa, the original president, Samosa, in the early 1900s is, was, was what I'll call father Samosa. The, his son became president later. But the father, Samosa, was very well liked. You know, people, you know, very high rating by the people. People loved him. His son, he sent his son, I can't remember, some Ivy League school, Harvard or Yale, went, went to university in the U.S., made a bunch of U.S. friends, came back to the country to become president after, you know, to succeed from his father. Uh, he was not well liked. He, he decided to take land from farmers and uh, give it to his buddies from school, his, you know, his American buddies. His American friends came down. They all suddenly had this nice, you know, beautiful finca, this farm rolling hills, beautiful climate, beachfront. Well, at one point he kind of gave away, you know, what which wasn't his. He was giving these properties that weren't his. They were, he's taking them from the farmers. This is the younger Samosa. And he he took, got a little too close to Ortega, I guess, took the Ortega family's farm. And Daniel decided him and his buddies weren't going to take it. So they basically had a coup and they went uh, and marched into Managua and, and overtook the government. Uh, this whole thing was going on. Uh, everybody at my age can kind of remember the Oliver North story, the Iran Contras. Uh, the U.S. was putting guns into Nicaragua and then shipping them to Iran to to feed that war over there um, because the people of the states didn't want a war in the Middle East. So they had this one going on in Nicaragua, pretending to keep it, you know, away from the Russians. They kept this on, on war on going forever. Uh, and then it's funny because when they got caught and the whole Oliver North story and, and all that came out, they basically just quit. They backed out of Nicaragua. The war was over. But the Nicaraguans love to tell people that they're, you know, one of the few countries in the world that beat the U.S. in a war because they, you know, all of a sudden the U.S. just left. Obviously, that's not likely to have happened, but I mean, in terms of winning an actual war. But Ortega is extremely popular in the country. The the branding he gets on so, or social media or sorry mainstream media in North America is just not the way people in in the country feel about him. So people in North America will say, "Oh, he stole another election." He didn't steal it. People voted for him. He's still more popular than any other um, candidate down there. And you know, there's always stories made up. Oh, he gets rid of the other candidates and all that. Look, I've been down there for over two decades. It's extremely safe. People love him. It is what it is. Um, they claim to be socialists. They're the farthest thing from socialists. They're as capitalist as it gets. Um, you know, they have a lot of businesses. They welcome business. I have a restaurant in the country. It's been operating for a long time. Never had any issues. Great. It's really, we have other businesses, obviously, the agroforestry and other things. And it, to me, it's, it's really one of the, the most 
libertarian-like countries that I have that I you know without claiming to be that I've found. It's very interesting, the politics of Nicaragua. And if you guys go to the blog at expatmoney.com, you'll actually see I've wrote quite a few articles about Nicaragua and talk about these things because it's it's very complex and it's it's you can't just look at mainstream media. There's a lot more to it. Um, as you said, Pat, we could probably talk about this piece for probably an entire weekend. I think we probably have over a bottle of rum before, but um, <laughs> just know that going in, the politics there are not going to affect you uh, in a negative way. They understand that expats and foreign direct investment, FDI, is very important in the country, hence why they're doing a, a investment visa there. And they want this money. They need this money. It's literally the difference between life and death. So they're not going to be coming in and you know, socialism taking your farm away from you or something like that. That's just not going yeah, to happen no, that, that, that not in Nicaragua. Happen. This well, and, not- and to finish that story, when, when Ortega got into power, he gave all those farms back to the farmers that originally owned them. And then the Americans whined about how their farms were taken away. It's like it was never theirs in the beginning. They never paid a cent for them. They were just giving mm-hmm. them a property that wasn't theirs. So that's the unfortunate story. But that's not the story that you sh- that you see in, in mainstream media. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I, honestly, I would stay out of politics if I'm, you know, as an expat. There's no reason to get involved in the, in the politics. Uh, you know, I don't think any would, anybody would disagree with me. My my wife is Latina, but Latinos are passionate about their politics. There's no sense of getting involved in it, especially if you're kind of libertarian and, you know, you just But the do nice no thing is and- once you get out of Canada and the States, it just doesn't occupy every minute of your life like this. Yeah, I never think I never think about the politics down here. The only politics I think about are what's going on in Canada right now. Okay, uh, John would like to know, where on Vancouver Island did you live? I lived in North Saanich, which is, I'm sure if you know Vancouver Island, it's right beside Sydney, which is where the main ferry comes in on the southern part, so a suburb of Victoria, basically. Amazing. Uh, JP asked, what about transportation? Do you have a car? Can people bring down their own Jeep or an SUV to Nicaragua? What's the import taxes? Uh, you can bring your own vehicle. I, I don't re- recommend bringing anything, to be honest. Sell your If you're going to move there, sell your stuff. It's not worth it importing it you can get all the same stuff for a lot less money down there other than electronics a tv might cost 20 percent more or something like that but in general it's you know you get great handmade furniture i you know i see you know cartons or containers of people sending down like ikea furniture and things like that I go, why would you do that you get beautiful hardwood handmade furniture down here for pennies on the hire dollar people handyman to make yeah. things for you specifically yeah, a- for that space like yeah, I had an entertainment unit made. I just showed them a picture of one that I liked, and they made it identical to that. And I, I think it was $300. Right? So, yeah, I have private what? clients of mine who bought here in Panama, and they have three girls, and they built like custom-made bunk beds for the girls in one of the rooms, like installed into the room. And it was like nothing, like a couple hundred bucks. Really, really beautiful, exactly what they wanted. They just found a yeah. picture online and were like, please build this. Amazing. Yeah, and there's this little village. I mean, the cool thing about Nicaragua, every village has got its thing. Like there will be a pottery village, there'll be a, a paint, you know, wall painting village, there'll be a mural village. And then there's one called Masatepe, which is all about furniture. And that's where I go and, you know, get this beautiful, beautiful wicker, rattan, patio furniture, all that sort of stuff. So, so inexpensively compared to most places. So. Mm-hmm. David would like to know who slash where is your primary and secondary markets for selling the avocados? 
Well, we don't have the avocados producing yet, so they're 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 just under two years old. They start producing around four. Uh, we'll, we're going to be, you know, next year we'll start looking at which, you know, it's easy to sell them in in the country, but obviously that's not the, the you know the best market in terms of price. Um, but as as they get the trees get more mature, when they're about five or six years old, they're kind of at full production, and avocado trees can actually live for over a hundred years and continue to produce. And so, you know, it's probably going to be the U.S. Frankly, that you know is is one of the biggest consumers of of the avocado. We do have like four different varieties. Like I mentioned, I could talk about what they are, but they're for different purposes. Some make really good guacamole. Some are used to different things. And and so, you know, we, we kind of have a diversified the avocados a bit. JP would like to know what do you mean by it depends on your medical history. Are you talking about the COVID vaccine? No, no, they don't care about that. It's really a non-event. You can get your, basically with any country, you have to get a police record check and and send down a medical test. But you can also have your medical check done in Nicaragua. And that's just basically a nurse, you know, checks your pulse and whether you're still can fog a mirror and then you're good to go. Traditionally, what these countries are looking for is making sure that you don't have HIV or tuberculosis. As long as you don't have HIV, and tuberculosis, then you should be fine. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I have a self-directed IRA and an IRA owned LLC already created. And I use that I use in the U S have you had any clients use this setup for these parcels? You can use it. Um, we don't have any with the parcels we do with, uh, you know, we have quite a bit of experience with that with, uh, in our communities, people buy homes, through a SDIRA, uh, but you know we haven't done it with the parcels. I'm just thinking that through because I can tell you the answer. Basically, right. would be if you are not looking to residency and you're only looking at the investment, then there shouldn't be any problem. If you're right. looking at doing the um, the residency, then there is potentially a problem with that. So yeah, yeah, very good short answer. I was just going to say with with residency, there is a problem because it has to be. A Nicaraguan company owned by you personally that exactly. has the investment, and it wouldn't have because they need to show, show that exactly. David would like to know: Can it be any corporation, such as a Belize IBC, or must it be a Nicaraguan corp? For residency, it must be a Nicaraguan SA, which is Sociedad Anonima, which yeah, is Sociedad a Anonima. You know, yeah. yeah, you're better at that. No, I see my Spanish is terrible, but it's basically that. like a, an LLC version in in civil law. Yeah, it's more like a corporation. If you think of a corporation yeah. because it has shareholders. Actually, I also just put out an article about what is the basics of an essay, a sociedad anonimo. If you go to expatmoney.com, see, this is good. This is why I put out all these resources. You can yeah. read about the corporation on there. Okay, I love this question. Nancy says, playing devil's advocate, when the teak trees have grown to an appreciable size in 10 years or so, what are the plans to protect them from poachers? Uh, we have staff living right on site. We actually have dogs on the property. Our issue is more about cattle right now getting into the property. Um, you know, getting we, the, the entire farm is fenced, but if the if the cattle somehow slip through, they tend to eat the avocado leaves, and so that's what we're we're going. Obviously, when the avocado is tall enough that they're only eating the bottom of it, it's not the end of the world. But right now, the ca- cattle can eat the whole tree, so that's our biggest threat right now. Um, mm-hmm. But again, like I said, we have dogs that chase them off and we have the fenced in property. Um, 
yeah, we're also very remote. I mean, there's no doubt about it. If you wanted to be, uh, you know, live there, you, you know, ultimately use the parcel as a place to live. Um, it, it's two and a half hours from Managua. It's right on the tip of the country. It wouldn't be where a typical poacher would go for ease of, of theft. <laughs> and again, we have a team that lives on the property and, and guards, exactly. basically. That's why I said I like this question because we've got a very good answer for this one. Okay, the next one is, uh, is it possible to pay installments? Why don't you go back uh, one or two slides there and bring up the, the financing? Because that's kind of installments. It's another way of saying it. And let me see if I can get to that. Yeah. Can everybody see that? Yes, I can see. So the, the full question is, is it possible to pay in installments? If so, I guess they are calculated in US dollars. And one has to count in the risk of one's own currency, euros in his case, um, going down relative to the US dollar. So I don't really know if we have an answer for that. I mean, currency fluctuations are a real part of life. Um, yeah. I mean, we can't really count or, or control the European Central Bank or anything like that. But... Yeah, I mean, part of the issue is that Nicaragua has its own currency called the Cordoba, but they also use U.S. dollars. And obviously, we would not want to be in Cordoba, which would fluctuate a lot more than the U.S. dollar. So, um, you know, all our prices are in U.S. dollars. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I mean, there's probably okay. less. Yeah, that's well, let's, uh, <laughs> let's keep this moving along because we've got 37 more questions to go. Oh, boy. And questions are still coming. So let's try to make our answers nice and short here, okay? Do you average out the revenue across all plots for the avocado and teak, or do you try to keep revenue segregated by plant by plot? We're, we're going to keep the re revenue segregated by by plot, and I, and I understand why people might think that's you know it should do something else. But you, it's your land; it's what you want to do with it. And if somebody comes in and says, you know what, I don't like avocado, I'm just going to keep the teak, or I'm going to do something else with it. Uh, you know, basically, we we they they all start with the same number of trees. They're all going to end up with roughly. I mean, there might be a fluctuation of three to five percent difference between the parcels in any given year, but it should all come out in the wash. Kale says, "What are the requirements for residency? How often do we need to visit the country to keep it active?" Well, one of the things that they're basically saying right now is, "Come in, get your. You have to come in at least the first time to get your residency." And then they recommend, you know, our lawyers saying these days they recommend once a year to kind of get your stamp and look like you visited. Um, they're being a lot more lenient on that. They're not lenient on the rent renters or the pensioners, but they're leaning on the investors. They understand people are doing this to put money into the country. Um, so, but that's subject to change. And I don't really like to say, oh, it's always going to be like this. Sure. You know, the countries do are flexible. Well, to put things in context, there's some countries out there with residencies where you have to spend like a minimum of six months in the country. There's some of them that are like 360, 350 days. One day a year is very affordable in the time department for residencies, just in context for what else exists in the world. Is there a service to help sell the harvest from the farm? Do you actually, are you guys helping to sell the produce, the trees and everything like that when it comes time? Yeah, we're, we're, I mean, if you look at the ROI sheet in, in our brochure, you'll, you'll see the line items that refer to to that service and the cost of that service. And um, we don't charge you. Uh, we 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 take it out of the net in or out of the gross income from the from your from your parcel. So you're basically paying for the harvesting labor and and activity from the proceeds of the farm. Okay. Are they using Bitcoin in Nicaragua? 
uh, we do at our restaurant and you know various places where it's not there quite like El Salvador yet. It's we're working oh, on boy. it. Trust me, we're pushing it. Okay. Michael asks, uh, does the residency require me to be in the country a certain amount of time throughout the year? We just answered this one. Yes, one day a year, but that's subject to chain. You don't need to stay in there full time. And even, is, is I'm not going to read all of it, but the question is basically, does he need to spend six months of the year there or at the beginning? And no, you don't. You can just go in once to get the residency, and then you just need to maintain it uh, a small amount. JP says, can you please send your purchase agreement? Thank you. Uh, JP, if you send an email to expat at ecovillages.life, then I'm sure Patrick's team will get that out to you immediately. And congratulations, my friend. That's amazing. We'll be neighbors down there. Yeah, and, and notice it is .life and not .com, expat at ecovillages.life. Sometimes people confuse that. Mm -hmm. So just to make point that out. Okay. I've had a couple questions of pretty much different wording about time on ground. I'm not going to answer. I'm not going to ask those ones again. Is the property titled? Yes. It's fully, yes, fully titled. Fully titled. Is and, it a permanent will... residency? Not temporary residency. Yes. Permanent it, residency. Okay. If you move there as a resident, what is the tax situation like for income made online outside of the country? It's a territorial tax system. Uh, I'm not giving you tax advice, but if done correctly, you should not have tax obligations to Nicaragua. What is your full name, please? My name is Mikael Thorpe, and this is Patrick Hebert. <laughs> you can see uh, Patrick's been on the podcast a couple of times, and he was speaker at my summit, and we've done other webinars together. He's one of my closest friends here in Panama. Uh, super, super trustworthy guy. Which is why I'm reading at the same time as I'm going through this. I'm interested in eco-villages somewhere to live. Is there a webinar for this, please? If you go to ecovillages.life, we actually have a webinar page where we've talked about just about all the countries in Central America, and that's a great place to start. Their webinars are free. Uh, you can get a lot of advice on Mikel about, or from Mikel on which countries might also be right for you. Um, I, I, I have multiple residencies in different countries down here. Um, I always like to have a plan B, C, D, and E, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's there's a lot of information on those. We like that slide that had the the A rating for Nicaragua, we do that for a lot of the countries in the, in the region, Belize, Honduras, all the you know other countries as well. Each one of them has their own little unique pros and cons, and it sort of suits different people a different way. Well, I will also say, if you guys go to expatmoney.com, there at the top, you're going to see resources, and then it says webinars. It's a drop-down menu. You go to webinars on there, and you'll see the upcoming webinars, because we basically do webinars every month. And next month, Patrick and I will be talking about Panama and a project where you can actually live um, in Panama in a private gated community. And then the month after that, I'm not sure what we've got scheduled, but if you go to, um, to check out that, you can join us for future live webinars as well. Kathy says she is interested talking to you, Patrick, about the agroforestry. So that's awesome, Kathy. If you send an email, I'm sure you can schedule a time to probably talk to Andrea. Would it be Andrea yeah. she would talk to, Pat? Yeah, most likely. I mean, it's we have a team here that will respond to you, but uh, in the next couple of days, it'll probably be Andrea, and she's very knowledgeable about this farm, has all the answers, and and can get you. Well, we're very responsive. We'll get you answers as quickly as possible. Perfect. Ashana would like you to go back to the pricing page again. Do you mind scrolling over to that one? Yeah. There we go. Just leave it on that one there, and then you'll see what's included, and. Patrick has done something very generous on this one. So he'll actually pay for the immigration process. So all of the legal work for it for 
what did you say? It's for husband and wife, and then the kids they have to pay separately if you have children, or the ch- the children are also included. The children we're we're paying for a couple, and then if you have, depending on how many children you have, it's usually around five or six hundred dollars per child. Amazing. So if you pay cash for the investment, then uh, then that will be included. There's 14 parcels. Uh, last time we sold 40 of them in basically two hours. So I would probably assume that there's going to be a bunch of emails waiting in your inbox, Patrick, when we get off here um, for people going through this. And I went through this as well. I I purchased a property here, uh, a half acre here. Okay. Tara says, I am sure this is incorrect, but let's tackle it right now. So there's no miscommunication. They read that there is a double COVID-19 vaccination required to enter Nicaragua. Uh, do you have any comments or concerns about that? As far as I know, that is 100% false, not true whatsoever. There is a COVID test to enter the country, and it is expected to drop very soon. Patrick, you correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're absolutely right. They have never had any vaccine requirement. I've been in back and forth between all these countries, including Nicaragua, many times in the last years. and including I'm going next week as well. And I know for a fact there is no requirement for a vaccine. Yeah. You got to be very careful about what you read online. A lot of people do this stuff armchair and they have no idea what they're talking about. They don't visit these countries. Patrick and I actually go to the countries. We do our research. We've gone through the processes ourselves. You got to be very careful about what you read online. I'm actually surprised to hear that one because that's like the opposite of the reality. Exactly. Fake news. Uh, how is the inter- internet infrastructure in Nicaragua? Do they have fiber optics? Um, is it reliable in general? Yeah, it's pretty reliable. I wouldn't say it's as reliable as um, first world, but you can pretty much buy whatever bandwidth speed you want pretty very reasonably priced. Um, our place by Playa Pacifica, uh, they actually do have fiber on the on the resort. It's all line of sight from locations like cities and resorts to uh, towers on the on the on the mountains. Um, but the beauty of a country the size of Nicaragua, um, a lot of that's in, in, pretty inexpensive. Everybody uses cell phones. There's no kind of hard landlines hardly anywhere. And, you know, if you come from Canada and the size of Canada and the cost of the infrastructure to have power lines and, uh, and land landlines, they never did that. They just went straight to cell phones and and that. And, and so Internet and, and cellular is even if they're extremely uh, you know, poor people that in the country, in some cases, they, they usually have a smartphone. Because the, the 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 cost to be connected is so low. I have a couple of questions here that are roughly the same, and they're basically asking about the management fees for the plantings and to maintain the farm. Maybe we can go back to that slide. Um, uh, I think between yeah. the insurance and the uh, the management was what sixty five U.S. dollars a month or something like that. Yeah, it's twenty-seven for the for the maintenance of the trees and you know, like the watering, the irrigation system, and and pruning and all those sorts of things that you need to do pretty much almost every day, certainly every week. Um, and that that's twenty-seven dollars per month. And then the next slide here is the insurance, which is thirty-eight. And if you get both of them, it's sixty-five dollars per month. And you can pay for you know, one month, three months, six months, a year in advance, whatever. And you could choose to do a year. A lot of people just buy a year, get it over with up front, make that payment. And then then they're making a decision later if, you know, do they want to renew it? And like I said, and I, you know, there's no reason why after, say, four or five years, you might probably drop the insurance. The trees are extremely hardy, at least the teak trees, and it's not likely to have much go wrong with them. Frank asks, is it possible to visit the farm? 
Yeah, we've had quite a few people come and visit. We actually have some testimonial letters that they wrote. I really love it there. Um, the, the last gentleman that I talked to that went up there actually hiked up to the Costa Guina Volcano Lagoon and went swimming in there and wow. went to the beach and walked around. I think he got he, he kind of rented a horse and took it around the area and you know and rode around. And so yeah, you're absolutely welcome to go there. It's a this time of year is a lot nicer to go there. Um, like I said, it, they're they're actually re, you know making the road a lot nicer to get there. It used to be a little rough, and during the the you know kind of September October timeframe is the heaviest rains of the year. Um, that then it gets a little dicey sometimes with a unless you got a four by four to get there. So makes for an interesting tour anyway. I've got another one who's asking if a foundation can hold the property to avoid probate. I would say this is the exact same answer as we gave before. If you are doing it to just for an investment, which is great because it is a good investment, it's something tangible, you can really see and touch and smell and taste, um, then yes, you could probably you could put it in a foundation. If you were doing your residency, then no, you would not be putting it in the foundation. You would have to have it by the Nicaraguan uh, SA and then you would use that as a way to get your immigration. But there's probably a way that we can do a uh, change of the share certificates afterwards, after the immigration is all done to to a foundation. Any other comments on that? No, sounds good to no. me. Yep. Okay. Has anyone been denied residency after purchase? No, not yet. Perfect. Well, not in our group. I mean, I, obviously, yeah. yes, many people in thousands, I'm sure, in, in Nicaragua based on various factors, but not for us. Yeah, exactly. We, that's why we try to put these things out there in advance. Like if you have tuberculosis or if you spent time in prison or stuff like this, if, you know, getting residency, not just in Nicaragua, but in any country in the world is going to be very difficult. So we try to be honest and upfront and uh, transparent with all of these types of things so that people don't get involved in the program where they're not going to qualify in the first place. So we kind of eliminate those types of things. And, and it does take some time, right? Because yeah, sure. because Nicaragua has been so popular right now for expats to apply for residency, they're kind of backed up. They have a small immigration department and a lot of people wanting to be residents. So uh, we can't promise how quickly it'll be done. Uh, you know, we're being told by the lawyer probably around six months is is pretty typical right now from when you start. And it's just the way, you know, just unfortunately the way it is right now. Frank asks, is the residency a permanent one or is it just for a few years? It is a permanent residency as long as you're keeping it active, then it is yours for life. Yeah, and you do uh, have to renew it. You have to go get your picture retaken, kind of like renewing a passport, but it's it's that's it, right? Wouldn't that just yeah. be for your cedula though? That's not really for your residency. Right. Well, yeah, I think you're right. Da, 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 da. What is the government attitude like towards the WEF grand plan? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would say well, they're probably not so in line with things considering they had nothing. They didn't have mask mandates. They didn't have lockdowns. They didn't have vaccine mandates. They didn't have anything, which makes it one of the most attractive countries in the world from that standpoint. Yeah, and they they took a lot of heat for that, right? You know, mm -hmm. Sweden in the beginning and Nicaragua were really two of the countries that just said, no, we're not following all that nonsense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they, so they're not favored very much by the WF, they're, you know. They get threatened by the IMF and the different places. So, you know, they're kind of a bastion on, out on their own. <laughs> well, and then the nice thing is that, you know, if you compare those two countries, Sweden has ridiculously high taxes. And if done correctly, Nicaragua has zero taxes. So I know which country I would rather live in. Okay. Can you purchase and then do residency in five years from now? I've never, I've never seen that happen, but I, I have my ideas. My advice is don't wait five years because these things change 
all the time. And if you have your residency, then you have your residency and nothing's going to change that. If yeah, you wait five years, then I can almost guarantee that the program will not exist or it will have gone up in price or it will be completely changed or and it just won't be available anymore. So these are right. not things that you want to put off. Like uh, Patrick was talking about my email that went out today on Panama went from a $5,000 bank deposit to a $200,000 real estate investment that has to be held for two years. Like, what a massive and, difference. And they changed that pretty quickly. I think it, what, it took three months or something. They gave warning days. and that was it. Yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, one other point earlier, Patrick, you said that the qualified investor visa has gone to $500,000. Actually, in November, Panama pushed it back. It is still $300,000. So people who are okay. looking at getting residency here in Panama, maybe in the Veritas Village that Patrick and I are doing, there's a $300 price point that goes directly to permanent residency. But we're going to be talking about that in next presentation in a couple of weeks from now, in a month from now. But it's, uh, I have actually a lot of people, Patrick, a lot of my clients right now are getting permanent residency in Panama and getting permanent residency with you in Nicaragua. So they're having yeah. a plan A, plan A, and a plan B. And I think that's an excellent way to do this. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Okay, what is the location of Eco Villages? Well, Eco Village's headquarters is here in Panama City, which is why I'm here right now. But we have communities in Belize, Honduras, design communities in El Salvador, uh, Nicaragua. We're working on Panama and Costa Rica right now. Uh, can the land be resold? Yeah, it's your land. You can do whatever you want with it. I mean, if you decide to go and build a house on it, um, you might lose your reforestation uh, certification. So probably want to at least very least make sure you have your residency first if that's mm -hmm. what your reason you're getting it okay is there an age limit for residency i'm not sure if this is a top end age limit or a bottom end well i guess if you're limit. under 18 then you would be uh, still considered a dependent of somebody but no i think uh, as far as i know i guess if, if you were a 17 year old orphan you could still apply for residency and in case it's on the other side i have lots of 70 plus year old clients who get residency yeah. overseas. And there's no, there's no, no limit to the top. Okay. If we buy and ever need to sell the property in the future, what is the process? Uh, just pretty much like selling a property in any uh, you know, title deeded. Yeah. yeah. Find a buyer, have a local representation, sell the property. Well, and the other the thing eat. too is, sorry, Mikkel, to cut you off nope, there. Go ahead. The other thing I was just thinking of is, I mean, as the trees get get larger and older, um, the, the teak trees specifically, well, and the avocado, uh, the, the land, the, the harvest becomes worth more. I mean, the closer you are to a final harvest, the more the land is worth. So that could actually be another strategy. Even if you don't want to wait for the harvest, you could sell it to somebody for quite a bit more, pre predictably, probably by, by just waiting a, a while till the trees grow bigger. Absolutely. Okay, Chris is asking for the email address again. Can you scroll to a slide that has the email address? There it is at the bottom. Yeah. So expat at ecovillages.life. Okay, let's keep going here. Okay, do you have to keep the agroforestry to keep the residency? Well, technically, once you have your residency, nobody's going to come and check up on you until you go to renew it. Uh, you know, a number of years, but um, you know, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea to keep it as a reforestation certified piece of land. Okay, uh, what are the cost of utilities like water, electricity, internet, just ballpark? 
Well, it depends a lot where you live. If you live in a gated resort, they're going to be charging you for water. Or if you don't, you're probably going to have a well on your property or something. Internets, I, I think I pay $49 a month for high-speed internet inside one of those gated communities. Um, and I use that for all my TV. So I do like fire sticks and things like that for watching television. Power is expensive. So if you if you can put in a solar system or a wind system or something, um, air conditioners, excuse me, air conditioners tend to use a lot of power and it's a warm climate. So you tend to have air conditioning on and uh, power is not cheap down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you spoke a lot about healthcare. Are there options for those who may prefer naturopathic treatments? There are, and it's growing a lot in the in the recent years. A lot of expats are are starting up naturopathic, uh, uh, you know, services. Uh, lots of different things. There's a lot of expat Telegram, Signal, WhatsApp, WhatsApp groups, and other you know Facebook groups and things like that, where you learn a lot about the other people and what the services are offered. It's it's not really a typical Nicaraguan thing. Um, you know, it's probably not a service that you're going to get offered by a Nicaraguan doctor or anything like that, but there is a, you know, a, a wide range of that kind of services from expats. Alan would like to know, is it possible to receive earnings paid out in Bitcoin or crypto, or is it strictly a fiat money type of situation? I was going to mention, actually, we, you know, if you want to buy the land um, in, in Bitcoin, we accept that as well. Uh, and I don't see any reason why we couldn't pay you out in, in Bitcoin. It's going to be the equivalent, you know, tethered to like a USDT type of thing to to a US dollar because we're we sell avocado for instance we're going to get paid in US dollars we're going to have to you know convert it and there might be a little bit of a exchange issue there but or you know premium or something but I'm a huge fan of of cryptocurrency specifically bitcoin and we we're using DAOs if anybody is familiar with those on our as part of our HOA voting in our communities that are coming up Patrick um, even owns an NFT marketplace. So yeah, exactly. I mean. <laughs> we accept Bitcoin for all. Well, we we were the first people to sell property in Central America as an NFT and with liquid Bitcoin. So yeah, we we do a lot of that. Yeah, even my Founders Edition ticket, we did them as an NFT for the summit back in November, and it was Patrick's team who helped me mint the NFTs, and we sold them and delivered them on his marketplace. So we're both very yeah. much crypto. Pro crypto for sure. I think that kind of goes along with the libertarian thing and not wanting the you know the Fed and the banking and all that. Exactly. Jack says a solution for the exchange rate question for the Euro US dollars is just do the two year payment plan to the uh, to average the rate. Currently, the rate is neutral, not high, not not high, not now. Share that with the group. Sure thing. What happens to your permanent residency visa after the first five years? Do you have to invest additional capital to maintain your permanent residency? No. It's yours. You have the residency. Anything to add on that one, Pat? No. Yeah, like I said, with we talked about it a minute ago, with the cedula, you have to renew, I think, your picture and all that sort of stuff. But um, I, I just recommend going a little bit before the five years, so before it expires. But the residency itself... I mean, right. you're, you're a resident. You don't need to buy more plots of land. There's no, uh, what's, what's the word? Yeah. There's no yeah. like there's, uh, there's, hidden fees or hidden things yeah. or something yeah. like that. No, it's not, this isn't like a one-year work visa or something. This is a yeah, permanent exactly. residency. Yeah. When do you expect, Michael would like to know, when do you expect the cost of investment to go up? In terms of 
Oh, I the minimum the, requirements the, from the government, because right now they're set for the agroforestry. Have you heard anything when it's going to be going up? Well, it was, what, about a year ago or so that uh, Panama went up and Costa Rica changed. These countries all watch each other. Um, yeah. I've heard, like I said, the rumors in the last few months of it going to 75 from 35,000. Um, I suspect, I think it'll depend a little bit on uh, whether the the kind of the exodus from other countries into countries like Nicaragua continue. You know, as long as they're getting overwhelmed and immigration by expats, they're probably going to go well. One way to stem this is to make more revenue out of it and and bump the price up. So I really recommend getting a, your you know your residency started so that you're kind of grandfathered, you know, in case of changes in the next few months even. Okay. This one here, okay, I'm just going to read it. He says, why are you saying final? Is the land being rotated with newer teak to keep the money flowing? I assume you mean final harvest. I mean, yeah. at, at, the t at the end of the thinnings, you're going to have roughly 40 teak trees that are full grown, you know, they're, they're big. And that's the most expensive wood that you can get out of. And that's kind of the sweet spot. I mean, you can let them grow to 50 years, 75 years or whatever you want. You could give it to your kids or grandchildren. Um, but typically people will harvest them, cut them down at 25 years and then replant and start the whole cycle over again. So that's why we, we kind of go with that same program. That's kind of the, the peak of the graph there. So somewhere between usually 22 to 25 years, uh, the teak trees are at their kind of most valuable at that age. Um, and, and so you, you literally cut them down, log them, mill them and the wood, I suspect the, you know, the wood will be worth a lot more in 20 to 25 years than it is today. Um, tends to, it's been going up steadily. You know, it's, it's a rare, it's a rare wood and it's, you know, used in a lot of, you know, expensive places like marine and, you know, yachts and things like that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. A lot of it's exported to India, to China, um, very, very high value hardwood. So at the mm -hmm. end of it, you cut it down and then start all over again, have it replanted and the, the process starts again. You still own the land. So. Uh, then it just keeps going. It's amazing. Okay, Lewis would like to know, do you get the tax residency as soon as you get the residency? Thank you very much for the webinar. Uh, I would say you need to spend a minimum of 183 days in the country to become a tax resident there and change your tax status in your tax home. Uh, Alan says, awesome. Love it, Pat! Exclamation, smiley face. Uh, uh, Shan says, thanks. I have to run. Um, okay. Uh, can we NFT the property as proof of purchase, but not as proof of ownership? Yes, we could actually use our Maven marketplace to give you basically what's the equivalent of an NFT receipt for proof of purchase, but you wouldn't be able to use that with immigration or the government or whatever. They wouldn't recognize it. So you'd, you'd have to go through the, the regular steps, but you could NFT the proof of purchase of the property. Okay. Speaking of healthcare options, Safe Blood is setting up an unjabbed blood banks. Any chance of Nicaragua private hospital working with them? I don't think that we're necessarily qualified to answer that, but I can tell you that I have in I've been in private conversations with the founder of Safe Blood, and I might as well spoil, spoil the surprise. But he's coming on the podcast. I'm interviewing him next week. I did a massive article on. Uh, on unvaccinated ba uh, blood banks. It's on expatmoney.com. We are ranking on page number one. We're getting like 10,000 people a week who are reading the article and the response has been fantastic. And um, I've had multiple doctors check my work and um, 
people really like it a lot. So go to expatmoney.com. You can find out more information about that. And I will be continuing to provide information about this very timely topic, you could say. Did you have anything to add on that one, Patrick? Do you know anything about? No, it's just a very, very uh, popular topic on the on the Nicaraguan, you know, groups as well. And, and you kind of hit it there. A lot of those, a lot of those folks looking forward to seeing your your conversation about it next week. Yeah, I'm I'm excited as well. I've been going back and forth with him on Telegram every day. He's been checking my work, the article. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to him. Uh, he seems like a really amazing man. So I'm, I'm looking forward to learn from him. Well, and as you can imagine, you know, relative to Nicaragua, if people are moving to Nicaragua because there was no, uh, you know, vaccines required or masks and mandates and things like that, they're going to also be very interested in that topic as well. Exactly. Uh, there's still over 20 questions here. So I'm going to start mm-hmm. to kind of cherry pick them a little bit because some of them we kind of um, answered already. So if I don't, ask your specific question. That's because I feel like it's already been answered. Uh, Another point that I will make is we are recording this. The recording will hopefully go out tomorrow. There's some technical stuff we need to render the video and things like that, but we'll be sharing it with everybody who has registered. So if you want to watch the presentation a second time or you missed part of it, you can do that. Or another good option is to sit your spouse down and have them watch it because I find that it's a lot easier then you trying to get off the line here and explain a two-hour presentation in 10 minutes with your spouse. Uh, much better to sit them down and make them watch the recording and uh, and go through it. And you can even put it at 1.5 speed or two, two times speed. That's usually what I do. Um, so well, and the other thing well. too is is sending an email to the expat at ecovillages.life is, you know, with any questions you have, we're, we're here. I mean, sure. Mikel and I are both expats living in this area. We want to help a lot of the reason for doing this Frankly, the reason that I decided to parcel off my farm, which was going to be for my family, um, is because we wanted to help people uh, find a way that's inexpensive to get a Plan B residency somewhere else. And uh, you know, Nicaragua is the perfect country for it. So that's how this whole idea was created. So any questions you want to ask of, of Mikel or myself or our team, please do send a message to expat at, eco, expat at ecovillages.life. And we're very responsive. Of course, you know, after a webinar like this, we usually get a little overwhelmed with emails, but uh, we'll we'll be as responsive as we can. Exactly. And actually, it's worth saying, Pat, you bought this plot of land, what, 19 years ago, 17 years ago, something like that? 2006. Oh, so what is that now? So yeah, 17 years ago. 17 years ago. So he bought it for himself, for his own family, and is now di- dividing it up to help people get residency. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, and that, like I said, I'm, you know, we were able to create 54 parcels. We sold 40 in the last webinar. And so, um, you know, well, in fact, we sold them all. We just, there was 40. We sold all of them. And then I managed to create another 14. But like I said, we're, we're, I am keeping the rest of them for my family. So, yeah. And then if this goes well and we sell all 14 of them, which I fully expect to do today, um, then we'll put you guys on a waiting list for the next farm. But we actually have to go out there and acquire the farm, do all the work, get it certified for for reforestation, which is paperwork and bureaucracy and everything like that. And we can't guarantee when that will all be ready. We can't guarantee what the price point will be like. We can't guarantee that the residency options from Nicaragua itself are going to be the, si- the same when that comes out. 
So for sure, if this is something that you want to do, if you are worried about what's going on in the world, if you want to have a plan B or know that you need to have a plan B residency, then I highly encourage you to just pull the trigger and get this done. I mean, very, very, very important thing. It's not something you want to delay in whatsoever. And this one's at a really cool spot. You have a beautiful Pacific sand beach. You're right beside a volcanic mm -hmm. lagoon that's dormant with hot springs. You have a giant sea turtle nesting area right beside you. You can watch the, the, them lay their eggs and all that. There's lots of, it's a really beautiful spot. It, it, it's a real destination for hikers and things like that in the area too. So, um, you know, the next farm is going to be unique in a, in a different way, likely beside a river that, you know, that we're looking at right now. But uh, it'll be different. But this this one certainly has its its charm. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. Also, what is the risk of Nicaragua increasing the limits for residency between the investment or down payment being made and the application being processed? Well, once you get in contact with the with the lawyer and you get your application in and and moving forward, then you're like I said, you get it in soon enough. You'll be you'll be grandfathered as, and they'll they'll likely. Do what most of the other countries do and say, well, you've got 90 days or 180, 180 days or whatever the number is until we're changing the law. And you know what the, the downside of that is all of a sudden everybody rushes to apply before that deadline, like happened here in Panama. Yeah. And then translation services, lineups at the immigration. Um, there's just so many things that just get really frustrating on those things. Yeah. And also, if you have already started the process then you are already working towards it. Then it's much easier. You don't need to start from scratch or anything like that. So um, yeah, you'll be, you'll be able to get curve. it done in 90 days. Yeah. yeah. Well, we can't guarantee it'll be done in 90 days right now, but it, you know, you'll definitely be, no, but the, the you'll, be, you'll be grandfathered. Then. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Christine would like to know, what is the attitude slash value of mental health in the country? I ask uh, some countries... There's a lot of anxiety, depression, PTSD as a negative factor on health and the community. Um, she is curious. Well, one of the things I find interesting about Nicaragua that's kind of a statistical reality, not just like anecdotal, is when I go there, I always you know, tell people and everybody always realize it when they come visit. It's like the friendliest place. Like Everybody's so happy and really enjoy it. But there is a company or an organization that does like the the, the happiest countries to live in around the world. And Nicaragua was always in, kind of in the top 10. Uh, one year, a few years ago, I know it was number one. So it was surprised people that Nicaragua was like the happiest place on earth, like a, like Disneyland or whatever, I guess. But, but uh, it's, you know, it, it's just, you know, I, I have my theories about all this stuff, but I think one of the things is that when the, you know, the culture is very uh, family oriented, um, it's not super career oriented. It, any countries that are close to the equator where you can grow your own food basically year round and you don't have to, you know, pack in your growing season to four to six months and then survive a cold winter. Um, it just tends to create a lot less stress. So there's just not, you know, somebody living, one of the farm workers there has like almost zero stress when it comes to, to food and survival, right? They have their shelter. They're happy with it. It's not extravagant, but they have their little home to live in. And then they, if they want, you know, the next, they don't worry about food next tomorrow. They go and catch a fish in the ocean and pick a banana or mangoes or passion fruit or whatever, all those things growing around them. And, you know, they, they're, they're, they're not worried about that. So it doesn't become, they don't, most of the locals in this area, like I can pretty much guarantee you that 99% of the, of the farming community around the, the agroforestry and including our workers 
do not have a bank account, certainly don't have a savings account. Don't even think of that as a concept. It's just a day-to-day -day living and they don't worry about it. And mm -hmm. so it, that one of the reasons I moved to Nicaragua was, you know, the, the stress of, I was in the software business and the stress of being in the dog eat dog world against Silicon Valley was driving me insane. And when I went down to Nicaragua for a vacation with my kids, I just saw a whole new way of life that I couldn't believe existed on the planet. And, and, and my, my wife is, is a Latina. She's from Ecuador. And, you know, it, her mentality towards some of that stuff is totally different than, than mine. So I learned a lot from that. And when my mother was alive, if you, she would tell me, if you ever could find a place where you could grow some patience, that would be really good. And, <laughs> and so I, I found it. It's Nicaragua. Well, it's all of Latin America. Well, and I also find in Latin America, there's no keeping up with the Joneses. You know, people are yeah. really family oriented. They really love to eat nice food and be outdoors and get sunshine. And there's always like it's someone's birthday or it's the sweet 16 or it's I mean, I've been to so many kids birthday parties. My Panamanian friends, they always have these huge parties for the kids and everybody gets involved and everybody's having a drink and music and dancing and it's just, it's very, very different. So I think that a lot of the anxiety just doesn't exist um, in this part of the world in the same levels that it does in Canada or the United States. Yeah, like yeah, you know, like we said earlier too, there's not that political divisiveness that I find in mm -hmm. in the lots of parts of the world now. There's not a left there's versus no right. There's no woke down here. Yeah, none of this well, thank God, I hope it, hope it doesn't get here. Ever. I got a couple of questions here on because of my comment on uh, criminal records. So I'm not going to read the questions just out of privacy, but in general, and then Patrick, I want your comments after. Um, in general, what they're really looking for are any type of violent crime. If you spent, if you were convicted of a crime and it was um, drug related or um, violent crime or these types of things then your chances of getting residency is going to be very, very difficult. If it has been expunged or we can get it expunged, then that's a different story. My suggestion would be send us a private email to the email address uh, on the screen, uh, ecovillages.life, uh, ecovillages explain the situation, and then we can look at it a little bit closer. We can also discuss with the Nicaragua lawyer and we can get feedback for her on the individual case. I have had many clients who did something silly when they were 20 years old. Um, they have something on their permanent record. We were either able to get it expunged or we went to immigration. Uh, the lawyer went to immigration on the client's behalf and we got a special permission letter allowing the person, like basically a pre-approval for the residency before the application was even in. So there are ways to navigate this. I'm not making any promises. I don't know. you. There's three or four people here. Uh, I don't know your guys' situation, but if you send us an email, then we can kind of help you navigate. Uh, Patrick, from your side? Yeah, and uh, totally, like, perfectly good answer. The only thing I have to add is there's, uh, you can either get a, like, a police record check in your own country. You can also get it while you're in Nicaragua. You can go to Interpol there. And, and frankly, you know, Interpol may not consider something that you've done on your record is, is, war is warranting even noticing. So it might be a different a different police record check that you get locally in Nicaragua than you get back home in Canada or the US or wherever. So there are some options, of, but 
But yeah, you, what you think might be a big deal in your country might not be a big deal to Nicaragua. So this is interesting. I've had Tara who says she wants to be one of the 14, but the expat email address is not working. Um, while you were talking, Pat, I just quickly checked the email account and it looks like it's working fine to me. Tara, make sure that it's .life, not .com, okay? Yeah, if you, if you, you know, spell it, check it and spell it exactly as it is there, expat, ecovillages, two L's, .life, not .com, not .net. That's a common mistake people make. So yeah, in hindsight, we should have probably- with an S. Right. I mean, uh, worst case scenario, you can go to Mikkel's website and, and send a message through there as well. Perfect. And or, or uh, I won't say the name, but someone, well, actually, it's under anonymous, so that's good. Uh, they say, thank you for answering the question about the um, criminal record. It was the silly age 20 category, so that's <laughs> nice to hear. Well, I'm very, I'm very glad about that. And uh, send us an email and we'll do our best to help you, I promise. We'll try... Uh, We'll try to get that. Tara says, thank you. I tried again and it worked. Okay, wonderful, okay, Tara. We'll, uh, we'll take a look at your email as soon as we get off today's presentation and we will try to get that back to you. Yeah, and I, I mentioned the the turtle, giant sea turtle. Uh, there's four different types of turtles in, in Nicaragua. It's a kind of a cool thing. This little sand spit that goes up here. The farm is here. Little town of Rosario is right here. Uh, we have a secondary farm here. And then right at the base of the land, this is all sand about two kilometers, it's kind of a mile, mile and a half long. And uh, it's one of the most popular places for giant sea turtles to come and nest. So it's a, it's actually pretty cool. And we we have a sanctuary for them um, for part of the year, right about here. Um, and we literally collect the eggs. So anybody's interested in that sort of thing, it's it's a really beautiful nature spot. And you can see the how close the farm is to the to the lagoon of, of the volcano. Okay, I got a five-part question here. Um, wow. Yes, but it's good ones. Okay, first of all, let's go back to the the slide with the figures, please. This is for Alan. Alan, I hope you're watching and still still There's online. There's two of them. I don't, I don't know if this I think one it's or the, the big the no the the spreadsheet one. Yeah, that one. Okay, leave it there for a minute. Okay, we'll we'll do this rapid fire lightning round. What is the elevation of the agroforestry site? Sea level? About 30, 30 feet above, yeah, 10, 10 meters-ish yeah. above sea level. Yeah, perfect. What is the humidity levels where the agroforestry site is? Well, during the rainy season, probably 95%. And during the dry season, about 10. Okay. Maybe. Is there opportunity to live on the site? Number three. Yes, you can, but you could lose the uh, uh, reforestation certification for that for your land. My suggestion would be buy the agroforestry as an investment, take the income from that and use that towards something else. If you want to live in Nicaragua, then talk to Patrick about the community that he is building in Nicaragua because it's beautiful. And that's a solid option for actually living in Nicaragua and lots of yeah, cool people. There are beautiful too. places in Nicaragua. Uh, number four, what are the main export countries for your teak and avocado? Is there a consistent demand? Uh, I think we mentioned earlier avocado it's, is the U.S. is probably the highest on the list and teak will be, and if it stays the same, teak will probably be India. Uh, and part and of that is that you can grow. Was that they wanted to see this slide, so that's perfect. And this slide and a bit more information is in the brochure. So if you request the brochure, uh, it's a little easier to go through than the, than the webinar. 
Excellent. Uh, and Alan's online still, because the question was from 30 minutes ago. I, I realize I'm kind of taking things out of out of time. He says, thank you very much. That's the one. Thanks. So that's good. So we'll leave it there for a minute so he can take a look. And uh, Alan, if you send an email, we'll send you over this slide so you can kind of go through it with a fine tooth comb. I think that that is, I think we're good, Pat. I mean, there's some comments. Uh, someone met Danny Ortega in 1988 and has pictures with them. So if they go to Nicaragua, cool. then they'll bring it with us. So that's pretty cool. That was an interesting part of Danny's life. Yeah. That time frame. Definitely. So. Uh, okay. David wants to know, is there any concern with the political system that there that resulted in the turmoil that existed in the 1980s? Is there any residual trauma that has an impact on the culture at this point? Well, you got to really uh, realize David, that, by the way. Okay. Sorry. Realize that that's kind of 40, 40 plus, it was late seventies, early eighties that their, their coup happened. I described a little bit about why that happened, but that was 40 years ago. So you know, most of the people that live in Nicaragua now, you know, have nothing to do with that or, you know, anybody under that, you know, anybody under 45 doesn't even remember that. So, you know, that it's, it really doesn't impact that, that much other than I mentioned earlier, you know, Ortega is seen by a lot of people as a hero. Of course, it's, you know, there's multiple political parties in, in Nicaragua. There's sort of three main ones. It's not a two-party system like the U.S., but more like Canada with multiple parties. But uh, Ortega is still popular enough to to win. You know, they have a five-year term instead of four-year terms. And uh, the, the last election was in 2021. So, you know, he won. It was good till 2026. I mean, he's getting older. He's in his late 70s. Uh, he's, you know, ha not had the greatest health lately. Um, I suspect, you know, I think I know his son a little bit. I, I think, you know, there's a chance that his son or his daughter might might run. Um, but you know, that's that the 1980s, as much as I'd like to wish that wasn't very long ago, that's 40 some years ago now. So, And that was from our mutual friend, David, who you and I have had conversations with. Hopefully, David, you will be joining us in Panama for March 18th. We're going to be doing my big birthday party. I think you said you were coming for that. So that'd be amazing. It'd be great to sit down with you and Pat and, and hash out some of our uh, some of the ideas that we all had together and, and talk through things. Cool. Good to hear from uh, you again, David. Lots of lots of cool people. I I know like so many of the people on today's call. I mean, it's so great to see all the names come up. You know, people I talked to last month or a couple of weeks ago, or you know, emails back and forth and everything. Okay, Pat, we're at exactly two hours. Let's call it there. Okay. I think if there's any other pressing questions, why don't you guys email them over to us? That's probably the best way to handle it. Um, you probably have sick of hearing us talk. We still have like more than 50% on the line at, at a two-hour mark. So you guys are amazing. You guys are all my hero. I love you guys. Okay. Michael says, great presentation. Thanks for the info. Alan says, thank you guys. Really appreciate you answering all of the questions. You guys should get an award. Having to listen to me for two hours deserves something major, but uh, I appreciate it too. Thanks very much for everybody coming on. It was a really, really popular. We weren't sure. You know, we did this a few months ago and to do it again now. And, and like I said, we kind of, I, we pretty much broke the Zoom limits. Um, so that was great to have everybody on. Okay, we'll call it there. Thank you very much, everybody. I hope you guys have a wonderful night. I'm going to go and relax, but tomorrow we'll start getting to the emails or maybe if Andrea's staying up late, I don't know if she will be replying tonight, but I'm certainly not. We'll, we'll, we'll certainly start replying. Yeah, me too. We'll, we'll certainly start <laughs> replying, but uh, 
bear with us because like I said, after these busy webinars, we, we have a lot of people to reply to, but we'll, over the next few days, uh, Spencer and I are traveling. So a lot of this falls onto Andrea and Shauna and a few others here. So uh, we'll, we'll get as responsive, we'll be as responsive as we can be. Amazing. Sophia says, it was a great two hours. Thank you. Alan says, keep up the great work with the podcast, Mikkel. They are really on point. Thank you very much. Tara says, I love this. Thank you. Uh, Patrick says, thank you. Amazing presentation. Happy to meet so many like-minded people. Tib Patel says, thank you. Okay, that's it. We're done. Thanks very much, everybody. I'll talk to you guys soon, okay? Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. My friends over at serenitynewsletter.com have a special opportunity open to those interested in learning advanced investing techniques in the crypto space. This membership is of the highest quality and is run by a dear friend of mine who happens to manage one of the most successful crypto hedge funds in the world. Crypto is the future, and those who make smart plays now have an opportunity to earn life-changing returns. Go to serenitynewsletter.com to watch a special video presentation now. That's serenitynewsletter.com.